Bad managers often think that addition is the solution to solving any problem. Good managers often recognize that subtraction can be an effective way to okay. solve a problem. And that's that's true in terms of like, yeah. you see that happen all the time, right? Like, oh, like we'll add one more feature to this and it'll <laughs> solve it, right? Like a good manager goes, oh, wait a minute. Like maybe we should look at, is there something we could take away from this thing to make it a better product, right? All right, hi John. Hi, how are you today? Good, how are you doing? Doing great, uh, thank you for doing this. Oh, no problem. Um, can you uh, introduce yourself, just give kind of a, a short background and tell us what you do? Sure, uh, my name's John Jenkins. Uh, I'm leading the engineering team here at Pinterest. Uh, been in San Francisco for about, I guess, eight or nine months now. I uh, had lived in Seattle and, and worked for Amazon sort of for the previous nine years or so. Okay. Uh, and uh, mostly I'm focused on how we're gonna build and scale an engineering team here capable of uh, delivering products for you know, the pinners uh, that use our service. How did you get started in technology? Like, what, what was that path like? Yeah, pretty non-traditional actually. Uh, so I guess we'll go way back in time. Yeah. So uh, as I was growing up in elementary school, uh, I was always super into computers from the start. So I think my first computer was a TRS-80 color computer can't remember whether they had 8K or 16K, um, but uh, was programming in basic on that thing uh, and sort of hacking around with it in kind of unique ways. Early BBS user back in the dial-up BBS days. Um, kind of by the time I got to college, I'd so I had a pretty decent sort of understanding of the fundamentals of computers and, and uh, the degree I got in college is a political science degree, which maybe seems odd. Um, but at that point, um, you know, the internet hadn't really taken off yet, and so I was just kind of still continuing to tweak around with computers on my own uh, and didn't feel like I would gain that much at the time, at least at the school I was at by, you know, getting a computer science degree. So I was focused on political science. Um, after college, started working for tech companies. So the first company I worked for out of college was a company in Chicago called Advantis, and it was this sort of jointly owned venture between IBM and serious technology services. Basically, they okay. built out big sort of networks for credit card approvals and stuff like that. Um, that was an amazing experience because like IBM is unbelievable. They, they, like I think of them as a battleship, right? They've built this company that is so redundant and so uh, just so effective at scaling that uh, there's really no single point of failure within that entire company. It's like the distributed system of companies in a way. Um, and so that was a great experience, but uh, you know, wanted to go somewhere where I had more impact. So after that, uh, I worked for a startup in Minneapolis. Uh, their sort of claim to fame, it was called Net Perceptions. Their claim to fame was um, that during the first dot-com boom, they were kind of a big recommendations personalization company. Okay. Amazon was their first customer in 1997, 97 or 96, uh, and they powered the people who buy X also buy Y kind of stuff on okay. Amazon. So kind of did the whole dot-com boom, dot-com bust kind of thing. At the end of that, uh, uh, you know, I was looking at what, my, what might be interesting to do next. Uh, you know, Amazon was a customer of Net Perception, so I decided to make the trip to Seattle and, and work at Amazon for a while. Started there in... Uh, 2004 in the personalization group, uh, and then moved on to the website operations, internal developer tools, and ultimately on to AWS. Uh, and had a great time there, learned a ton of stuff. And uh, you know, as I was sort of looking at you know what I wanted to do next, I wanted to go somewhere smaller with maybe a little more impact, uh, maybe ability to move a little more uh, flexible or quickly and agile. 
uh, and so I ended up here at Pinterest. Uh, so kind of a non-traditional background in that I don't have a computer science degree. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess I would say I don't consider myself, I don't know, I, I have never considered myself a, a particularly great programmer. Uh, I'm pretty good at hacking around with things though, and so uh, somewhat effective nonetheless. What do you love most about what you're doing now? Uh, I think like lots of things. I, I guess like maybe I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Um, two things that have guided me kind of throughout my career are, are two particular challenges. I'm fascinated by challenges associated with scaling things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was one of the main things that led me to Amazon. At the time, Amazon was this company going through massive growth. Uh, they had a huge customer base and data set that was uh, fun to play with and get to work with. Um, and then the other thing that I'm really fascinated by are uh, challenges associated with data mining or deriving uh, useful information from large pools of data. Uh, and again, Amazon had great opportunities there. I think Pinterest has both of those challenges um, at an even bigger scale. So uh, if you think about Pinterest, right, like the core concept in Pinterest are pins, right? A pin is, uh, people think of, oh, a pin is a picture. It's really not just a picture. A pin is an object, either a picture or a video or other types of objects, uh, coupled with the user's context about that object, right? Yeah. So uh, if I were to pin a white iPhone to a board called like things that are white, right? It might be on there with white bed sheets or a white chair or a whole bunch of other things. But maybe you would pin it to a board called like, uh, my Apple fanboy board, and it would occur there with a you know MacBook and, and a whole bunch of other Apple things. Um, if you think about how many pins there are in the world, uh, I don't know. It's a large number. It's it's certainly hundreds of billions. Uh, it's probably trillions. It might be tens of trillions, right? Like in theory, I guess the upper bound is the number of objects times the number of people in the mm -hmm. world, um, and so that is a massive scaling challenge. Um, and the way that we're going to deliver value to our pinners is by being able to search that entire space and surface the relevant you know, pins for them within that space. And that's a huge data mining challenge, right? Especially at that scale. And so uh, those two things are things that have guided me from job to job throughout my career and are things that I'm just super passionate about at Pinterest from a business perspective. Um, the opportunity to grow a team capable of realizing the potential there is what gets me excited every day. What do you think is going to be kind of a, a mind-blowing technology that comes kind of around big data or predictive analysis uh, the next three years. Like, what do you think is going to is going to come? Yeah, I think uh, I think the big thing is that uh, so much of technology uh, in this type of analysis has been based around um, uh, text or words so far, and Pinterest is really different in that regard, right? Like, if I asked you to or to describe like what is your style in fashion? Right? Like maybe you'd be able to do it, maybe, maybe you wouldn't. I certainly I have no idea what my style and fashion is, but I can go look at a bunch of pins and say, I like these 10 things. Um, and our system is going to be capable of deriving what your style is based on those selections. And so um, it's really cool in that we can tell you things about yourself that you didn't even know. Hmm. Uh, oh, you're into things by this designer, or oh, your taste in architecture is um, you know, highly related to this architect, or this particular style that you might not even have known there was a word for. And so uh, by, by figuring out how to measure people's interests based on 
the objects that they associate with, that is like something that I don't think anyone has done before, right? Yeah. Uh, search engines are very explicit, right? Like go find me things from Apple or go, go find me like craftsman style houses or something mm -hmm. like that. But you know, you wouldn't realize that, oh wow, within the sub genre or within the genre of craftsman style houses, there is an, an architect mm -hmm. that has created all the houses you like or that all of those houses share the fact that they are a story and a half or this color or of a specific configuration. And that's what we'll be able to, to help people understand about themselves. Yeah. So a lot of it's really helping people understand themselves in a way. Uh, that's great. You know, that they wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah. Can you talk about a major disaster in your career and, and kind of what you learned from it, yeah, how like, you kind of overcame it. What, what, what can we learn? Uh, I guess like, a, I don't know, a major disaster in terms of technology or yeah. like career or? or it, it can be either. It can be, you know, whatever, whatever story you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, uh, boy, it's always hard to know what I'm, what I'm able to talk about. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, during my time at Amazon, right, nine years there, there were uh, many sort of outages and high-profile events during that time uh, that I probably shouldn't talk about too specifically. Um, I, I guess like maybe the sort of the, the a meta takeaway from it is that, uh, you know, one of the, the hardest things is understanding how your systems will be used years from now, right? The, the, like the successful things you build will be uh, sort of mashed up in many, many different ways. And what might be a particular, like a super sane choice for one application ends up being an insane choice for another one. And mm. so um, like a specific manifestation of that would be uh, uh, Technologies that work in certain scenarios, uh, there's a specific technology called multicast, which gets used in networking, uh, might be a perfectly reasonable way to solve some challenges within a business. Um, but then someone deploys it in just a slightly different way that violates one of the underlying assumptions about how you originally built that out. Um, and that causes just massive broad reaching effects. Uh, it causes an entire system to stop scaling or an entire system to collapse under its own weight. And so I think that's been a big thing for me to think about is when you build something, if it becomes successful, think about all the ways people will misuse it and be sure that when they misuse it in those ways, it's not catastrophic in its effects, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's specific enough. Or no, I not. think that's great. I mean, I, I I see that I see that all the time with companies where I'm I get to see what works and what doesn't work, and, and what they're doing, and and it does seem odd. And, and I'd love your advice on what, a way to fix it. Like there's there really is no kind of best practices for multi-vendor and multi-technology you know interactions. And and you could have you know 15 things working in one way, and they will explode in another scenario. And I'm just wondering, you know, how do we how do we fix that? It's a good question. There, there, there are all different aspects of this. So one aspect is, uh, I think, uh, I don't know. Let's take uh, APIs for example, right? Like, uh, I, I, people are always asking, like, when is Pinterest going to release an API, right? And we think a lot about it, right? We know people want it, um, but over the years, I've seen APIs be created and cause lots of heartache, right? So. Um, I won't go into too many specifics, but I, in, in, Amazon may have talked about this at various times. There's a very specific API 
related to S3 that has caused a lot of pain over the years mm. internally at Amazon. It hasn't that pain hasn't filtered to customers, um, but it has caused lots of development effort internally. Um, in, in there was a saying that was developed there that like APIs are forever and you need to treat them that way. Like you don't get to release these things to the world and then pull them back, or at least you shouldn't. Right? There have been some pretty high-profile cases over the past year where some companies have pulled back functionality mm. in their APIs uh, that they originally released to developers, and that causes developers a lot of pain. It breaks applications yeah. and stuff. And so one of the things we think really carefully about here is you know, if we're going to release something like an API, we have to treat it like this thing that's going to live forever. And mm. it's a contract that we can't violate you know, with developers in the future. And so. Um, we're going to be very measured in the way that we approach that problem uh, because we don't want to, to put developers in a tough spot or make promises we can't keep. And so I think like popping up a level, that's an example of something is that um, software is a promise in a lot of ways, right? Whether you're building stuff internally or externally. And if you think about it from that perspective that, hey, via this API or this system I'm building, I'm making a promise to someone else about some capability, and I better be sure that I can you know, keep that promise um, with that system in the future. I think that's a really yeah. healthy way to think about things in general, um, and, uh, and that's sort of how I approach that kind okay. of thing. What, um, I mean, you're, you're a, a successful team leader. You lead a bunch of really bright folks. Um, what, what leadership advice do you think has been that you've received that's been the best, and what would you what would you give as your best leadership advice? Gotcha. Yeah, there's so many so many things here. Like I've, that's one thing I feel really fortunate that I've been the beneficiary of a, a ton of great advice over the years. I don't know. It's different for managers and individual contributors. Like um, one thing that I think has been a really influential in my career is um, this notion of we call it here like one of our core company values is putting pinners first. Um, and no matter what you're building. Uh, you should absolutely understand how it's going to uh, positively impact pinners or more generically customers, right? If you can't articulate the value of that thing uh, in a way that a customer will understand, uh, you're probably building shelfware or what you're building is not going to be successful. Um, one thing that I, I was really fortunate to have experienced is this, at Amazon, there's this process called working backwards where Amazon writes press releases first for what the thing will be when they release it. Um, and they're non-technical, right? Like mm -hmm. a, a, you don't describe the thing, I'm going to implement a distributed system capable of you know, indexing up to 50 trillion documents for users, right? You describe it in terms of the impact it's going to have on customers. Yeah. I'm going to help people do X. And if you can't write a compelling story in the customer in a voice that the customer will understand, you're probably not building something important to them. And so, like I think about like as we start new projects here, like if I were to write something that would explain that, you know, to my mom or dad, like would it be meaningful to them? Mm -hmm. and, and if not, probably not worth building. And so, so putting pinners first, I think, really important um, from a manager standpoint. Gosh, there's so many like manager like like bits of wisdom that I've, I've been fortunate to have over the years. Uh, one that just came up yesterday is a, uh, a saying that I can't remember where it originally came from, but uh, kind of a little trite little phrase, but um, bad managers often think that addition is the solution to solving any problem. Good managers often recognize that subtraction can be an effective way okay. to solve a problem. And that's, that's true in terms of like, yeah. you see that happen all the time, right? Like, 
oh, like we'll add one more feature to this and it'll solve it, right? Like a good manager goes, oh, wait a minute, like maybe we should look at, is there something we could take away from this thing to make it a better product, right? Yeah. Um, it applies to teams too. Oh, if I only had eight more people, I could go solve this thing, right? A, a, a good manager might say, well, are the people I have the right people and, and maybe I need fewer, more focused people mm. in order to solve the problem. So uh, I don't know, there's like a million sayings like like that uh, in, in lessons like yeah. that that I've learned over the years. That's good advice, um, I like that. Yeah, it's, uh, and I don't know, That's I've been fortunate to work for many extremely good managers over the years, and uh, I don't know, I'm just incredibly fortunate uh, to have benefited from like their knowledge too. If I can like provide the people that work with me or work for me like with one tenth of what I've gained, like I think I'll hmm. be totally happy. If you could go back to uh, young John at 18, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, hmm, that's a good one. Uh, I think one of the things in, I don't know, like this is bad for a, a Seattle, you know, based interview. Uh, I should have come down to the Bay Area sooner. Like, and, and I don't like, I still own a house in Seattle for what it's worth, uh, and and I love Seattle. Like I, I, I'm into snowboarding. I love the mountains. Mm. It's a beautiful place. Uh, the San Francisco Bay Area is so amazingly vibrant in terms of its technology community yeah. that I, I just had no idea. Like I had no idea what was kind of going on down here, and uh, and so I might have I might have come to Seattle or to San Francisco a bit sooner in my career than I did. Um, that said, as, as like a, a, a Seattle resident, like a person who owns a house in Seattle anyway, like, man, I'd love to figure out how to bring what's going on here to other places. Uh, I haven't solved that challenge yet, but uh, I know that there are people that are, are working hard to figure that out. Yeah. So. If you were to go to the start of your career, back to the start, what, what advice would you give yourself career-wise? I would have stretched myself further earlier on and been less afraid to fail. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm afraid to fail. I mean, I, I did work for an internet company during the first dot-com boom that didn't make it. Uh, uh, but I think that being successful in technology is really about pushing the boundaries. And for me in my career, like, I think really pushing the boundaries came later in my mm -hmm. career than, than maybe it should have. And I should have been afraid, I should not have been afraid to break things or uh, challenge conventional wisdom mm -hmm. earlier in my career there, as I look back on uh, uh, Jeff B at Amazon has this, this thing called the no regrets principle, right? Like you should, you should do things, like you should not regret not having done something mm. in your career, right? You should optimize for not having regrets that you didn't try things. And uh, you know, as I look back like, oh, look at all these great ideas I had, right? In hindsight, it's like, man, why didn't I pursue some of those at the time? Mm. Uh, and I think that's the thing I would tell myself is don't be afraid to chase crazy dreams sometimes. Do things that uh, people would say, well, there's no way you can solve that problem because fundamentally those problems are probably solvable and, yeah. and you know, it's not bad to go work on hard problems. So how do you stay focused and organized and on top of things in you know, this increasingly chaotic world? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the biggest thing is deciding what you don't want to do, right? That's mm -hmm. the, the biggest thing you have to focus on. Like whether, honestly, whether you're an engineer, a manager, or a CEO, like there are in, probably an infinite number of great ideas out there. And as long as you're willing to be pretty ruthless about what you're not going to do, mm -hmm. uh, then you can do stuff that's successful. The moment that you start, uh, the moment that there's like a tipping point at which you 
you can't do anything well because you're doing too much, then you're doomed at that point. And so it's, it's mostly about choosing what not to do uh, that keeps you focused and, yeah. and successful. You guys have matured quite a bit. You're no longer kind of a scrappy startup. How do you kind of keep that startup vibe and, and keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive as you grow? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I might, I might disagree with the the the, the underlying question. Like, I think we are still a pretty scrappy startup. Uh, I mean, our engineering team is is really only like sixty some people still. Uh, you know, we have a huge user base, and yeah. it's pretty amazing what the team has been able to achieve given the small size of the engineering uh, team. Uh, and I think the ways that I would say that like we are a scrappy startup is uh, we really focus on building. Uh, on only building the things that provide sort of unique and differentiated value for our customers. So, for example, um, we are more than willing to adopt another technology created by someone else or available in the open source community if it solves a problem that is kind of a generic problem that everyone has. And, and we do that all day long. Like the vast majority of, of technologies we use are open source technologies from caching, memcache, to uh, you know the way we shard MySQL, to a whole bunch of other things. They're just like, pretty off the shelf. Now we're operating them at, at pretty big scale, but they work um, and that's cool. Um, and where we focus is what are the things that are really unique to Pinterest where we have to, to succeed that in ways that aren't available uh, sort of generically in the open source community? And that's where we will leverage like hmm. a disproportionate amount of our engineering effort. Uh, and we will be super scrappy about adopting any other technology. Like if it solves 90% of the problem for us, we're gonna use it, right? We're not gonna build our own thing in that case. Um, and that's different than some companies, right? Like there's, there's this, some companies have this sort of, oh, it's not invented here, we're not gonna use it kind of thing. We're like, fine, like if it's not invented here, it's fine with us as long as it solves our problem. Uh, and so we're super scrappy in that regard. We iterate really quickly. Um, we do lots of A-B tests to try and validate whether our assumptions are right. We're not afraid to say, oh my gosh, we're wrong. We need to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, the, the way I like to think about it is um, the vast majority of what Pinterest will be in, I don't know, five years, 10 years, like hasn't even been built yet. The code base here is tiny, like in terms of lines of code. Um, we've hardly written anything for what this company will be just a couple of years from now. And, uh, the way we'll get there is by being super agile, super scrappy, mm -hmm. discarding things that don't work, building on things that do work to, uh, to build out what the future of the company is. It's amazing. What technology would you eliminate if you could? I don't know. It may be on its way to being eliminated in some ways, which is, uh, you know, the, the sort of laptop and desktop at the moment mm. seem kind of inflexible in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, maybe for better or worse, like on Android and iOS, you've got a pretty well understood consistent platform to build against, right? Um, as we build for, you know, uh, the web on, you know, the desktop or laptop devices, um, we're still trying to optimize across, you know, a half dozen different browsers with n number of underlying versions of the OS. It's really challenging. Mm. And so, um, we're doing some pretty cool things in our web space to try and, and build an application that can work really seamlessly across all those devices. Web's still a super important platform for us, but you know, as I think ahead a few years, I wonder if we'll be building sort of purpose-built applications on you know, uh, laptop and desktop machines, or, or if kind of the browser community will get together and enable us to build cross-platform stuff easily mm. or not.
So I don't know. I mean, I, like, I don't want to like eliminate the browser. I think it's been really amazing and enabling. But gosh, I'd love to eliminate some of the inconsistencies there and the difficulty of building on that platform. Um, we've already eliminated some things, like we don't own our, we don't run our own server fleet or anything like that. The whole thing runs on the cloud, so like a lot of those sorts of things uh, have gone away. We're super pragmatic about uh, how we build the company. We don't run our own HR systems. We don't run our own email servers. All that stuff. Um, we've really cut to sort of the bare bones of what we have to do ourselves here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I guess. That's interesting. You're focusing on your business. Yeah. That's good to see. It's amazing what you can do with like without owning a single server. It's yeah. really unbelievable. What are what are three key factors an early stage tech startup needs to succeed? Uh, I think uh, three that I would pick on. One, the one I mentioned already, you better understand what your customer wants and you better like really be focused on delivering that core value proposition. Um, for us, it's um, to help people discover and act on the interests in their lives or discover and, and sort of actualize those interests, right? So we're all about the interest graph, we're about discovery, we're about helping you achieve those things in your life. Um, so uh, understanding what your customer wants is number one. Two is being incredibly uh, pragmatic in how you deliver it. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to build in extensibility too early because you might be building the wrong thing early on and you'll want to make a change and the quicker you figure out that you want to change direction and that you can move in that direction, the better. Um, and then I think the, the third thing is uh, building an engineering team that actually wants to deliver stuff, right? Um, there, there are lots of great engineers in the world of many different types. Uh, some of them get excited about um, more, well, I'll just use the term like academic pursuits. Other people are just really focused on like getting something in the customer's hands and seeing what the customer does with that. And uh, I think for a startup, that is essential, is getting those people that are, are, that, that, uh, are satisfied or achieve satisfaction by delivering things uh, and have this m just intense drive to yeah. deliver product is the important part. And the last question, uh, who are two other people you would like to see on Nextcast? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've recently become a user of Spotify, so like I'm, I'm a big Spotify fan at the moment and uh, big into music, so I think uh, someone from there would be yeah. good. Uh, there's a, I don't know, an interesting little startup in, in the Bay Area here called, uh, well, there's a couple. Uh, one is Lyft, who's doing some pretty interesting things with ride sharing. Uh, that's pretty fun. There's probably some cool stuff going on there. I use them today. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Big Lyft fan. And uh, and then there's a, a CDN in the area uh, called Fastly that's doing some pretty interesting stuff as well. Okay. Um, and there's a guy there named Artur, who's a fairly entertaining dude, uh, who would probably have some very interesting opinions on things for you. Okay, great. Well, thank you for taking time. Um, thanks for having me in the, this brand new awesome space. And um, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming down and happy to talk anytime. Great. Cool. If you would have asked me in, say, this time last year, like, what are the chances that I would move to San Francisco from Seattle? Uh, to work at a tech company, I said zero percent chance. Really? Uh, absolute zero. Like I was like not sort of looking around. I was at Amazon. I was super happy there. Uh, it's a great company, right? Like they're killing it. I was part of AWS, which is whatever. There's yeah. no comparable product out there. Um, but I met the people at Pinterest, uh, specific, like Ben, the CEO, a couple of the engineers. That got me kind of thinking. And then 
you know, one thing led to another. Uh, you know, I have a couple mentors that I asked for advice up there, and uh, like, I'm, by fall I was down here, it was crazy. Yeah, like totally crazy. Being in the city or the city as opposed to the valley, I think is awesome. Right, there's yeah. a lot to do here. Uh, just this five block area we're in, there's tons of tech companies here, and so there's like a really vibrant community of tech here. Um, companies have tech talks that like all the other people from each other go to. Uh, there's just tons of knowledge exchange here. That's been the thing. Honestly, I think that mm. Seattle has a huge opportunity to improve on is the knowledge sharing between companies here is amazing. Like, like we'll talk with people from Twitter or mm. Facebook or whatever about the problems we're facing, the problems they're facing. Uh, and uh, that just never really happened so much, at yeah. least for me in Seattle. I'm not sure why that was. Um, but being so close in proximity here, it's unavoidable. Yeah. So. No, that's really good. I've heard that before. I've heard it's 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 the community is a little bit different. Where it's I've 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 even heard of other engineers being in the office and like kind of troubleshooting some stuff with their with their peers. Yeah, it's and, it's amazing. Like the just the interaction that occurs. Like you go to a coffee shop. Like the engineers from all those other companies are sitting there, right? Like so you look over. Like oh, what what if we did X with Facebook? It's like you look around for someone with a Facebook sticker on their computer and like. <laughs> get your question answered right yeah. and similarly with us you know if you're wearing a pinterest t-shirt or something like that people will come up to you like hey i was thinking about integrating with you guys in this way is that possible and like uh yeah I don't know. it's just an amazing environment to be in that's great